Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, to the World of Concrete wrap-up show. We are back after what I would call a successful outing to the World of Concrete trade show this year. Joey and I went out there and saw everything there is to see, and we're going to tell you about it. We're joined by Paul, though, who couldn't make the trip. Couldn't. Maybe next time. Couldn't. (laughs) You guys said, we don't need three people. You can just stay home because... Somebody else has to take care of all the other paperwork and everything else. You guys got to have a good time out in Vegas while I was stuck back here freezing, putting uh, heating blankets on tanks, a bunch of other nonsense. What, you guys were just, what, partying? I mean, what, what was going on out there? There was My none f- of that going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no partying. I, like, I do like that you started this uh, wrap-up off with, like, uh, like, like you were calling the circus, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> boys and girls of all ages. So like, I'm guessing it was a circus out there. I mean, how what was the atmosphere like? No, that wasn't, the, that wasn't the circus. That was the New Age Outlaws for all of our Attitude Era WWF fans out there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Golly, bring the wrestling takes. You're talking about having a good time. My feet straight up did not have a good time. <laughs> I figured it up. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when we were out there, we walked 23.1 miles, an average of 7.7 miles a day. Got but, a marathon in. But there was no elevation change, so you guys just stopped being weak. And uh, those are rookie numbers, if I'm thinking correctly. You said that last time. You did <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you'd remember that I totally dogged y'all for how many steps. We did 30,000 steps. Uh, I was like, that's it? It was a lot. A lot to see, though. That's a ton. I mean, seven miles a day walking around between all the booths. I mean, so you guys every day. I listened to your wrap-up shows, by the way, from like from location. They were phenomenal. If uh, if anybody listened to this, hasn't listened to those, they should go back and check it out. I think the two of y'all together, like in a room by yourselves, it almost sounded better than our regular podcast. Kind of made me feel bad a little bit, to be honest with you. Well, we weren't exactly in a room by ourselves. There were several other people in that media room, and they were not quiet. <laughs> Whatever Josh did to publish it without any background noise came through great. Yep, it sounds good. It's because of Josh working his magic. That's right. That's right. Yeah, well, Joey was just happy uh, to be in the same room uh, recording. I, that, was, that was the <laughs> first time we've ever recorded shoulder to shoulder with one another. It is, actually. That's awesome. Well, it sounded great. You guys did a great job with that. I've seen some of the uh, videos for people who maybe listen to this but don't know what they were doing. Um, the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast was an official press partner at World of Concrete. Uh, Joey and Josh went out there to represent our show. And while they were there, did some recording on site, both audio and video as well. So be on the lookout for that on our LinkedIn page, our YouTube page, Instagram, Facebook. We'll be coming at you with some clips and some little bit longer videos, five to seven minute promotional videos where we're highlighting some technology and some companies that we saw that uh, these guys really thought uh, were very interesting. So seeing those videos, man, uh, you guys just did a great job. Uh, you did it a little bit last year. And then uh, this year you come out and it's better. It's interesting because everything was better, right? The editing quality from our producer, our editors was great. The uh, interview questions were phenomenal. I mean, really, really good job on the interview questions. Uh, the camera work, Joey, uh, not nearly as shaky. Uh, a lot of a lot less out of focus takes. You know, really impressed. Everybody, you really got you guys stepped your game up big time. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a good time, and there was plenty to see. Uh, final numbers for the World of Concrete: there were 1,100 exhibits uh, throughout Ooh. the three halls and uh, two outdoor areas, and then there was just shy of 37,000 total attendees. 
That's so. pretty good for same year as Con Ag. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. I was about to say. It almost seemed like more, but I guess when we went, uh, in a, not to correct you, Paul, but to correct you, we didn't go last year. We went in 2021 when they had it in, in June. Uh, we had to miss 2022. But... Uh, it seemed like there were so many more people uh, this year than when we were there last time. But I think it was probably because last time it was just an off year. You know, it'd be in June and twenty yeah. and twenty twenty one. COVID was still a hot topic. Yeah, um, but it seemed like there was a pile of people there. Well, there's also one less convention hall, so they didn't open up the West Hall while you were there too. So they yeah. they crammed instead of having fifty thousand people spread out over three halls, they had thirty seven thousand crammed into the two in the outdoor area. But thirty seven thousand is nothing to sneeze at, and that's good. Yeah. We would at World of Concrete would take those numbers any day of the week, and then to have that the same year as Conag, that thirty seven thousand. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I I'm actually surprised it was that high. I thought it would be uh, much lower than that. I'd be curious to see those numbers, those historical numbers, like twenty nineteen. And before Conag years versus non Conag years. I mean, we even know people personally that aren't that didn't go out to the World of Concrete because they were going to Conag. And I feel like everybody we talked to who was out there during the World of Concrete, they're coming back in March. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the the March the the Conag show is uh, March fourteenth through the eighteenth, and uh, we'll be back out there uh, being you know official press partners once again. And because we are official press partners and we love y'all, our listeners couldn't do it without you. If you are going to ConAg and haven't registered yet, uh, register with the discount code MEDIA20, M-E-D-I-A-2-0. A little, a little 20% off gift from us to you. If you still need to register for ConAg, use that code and you can get there a little bit cheaper. But uh, everybody that didn't register ahead of time for the World of Concrete, and they had to go get their badge and register on Tuesday when the exhibit halls opened. There was at least 100. I'm willing to bet I'd put money down on a 200-yard long line full of about 1,000 people or so, give or take a few, Mm -hmm. um, that were trying to get in there and get their badge Tuesday morning. It was a madhouse. It was actually kind of cool to see because you're like, oh, man, we're back. We're back to normal. We got lines. <laughs> we got people. <laughs> like I'm rubbing shoulders with people. Joey's trying to keep people from walking in front of the camera when we're recording the entire yeah. time. Uh, it was just just like pre-COVID, man. People yeah. walk, Way too many people walking around with blinders on. It was like old times. Yeah, we need to uh, – we'll have to get uh, Anthony just mashed together all the times that people walked in front of the camera just as a clip. Because I, yeah. I don't know, we got uh, we got several. Yeah, it was about uh, a dozen. Well, the the editing he did that I saw the final product. I didn't see anybody walking in front of any cameras, but it would make more sense because there were times where the camera would just like suddenly be out of focus and like come right back. I was like, what did, did Joey <laughs> knock it? No, somebody probably walked in front of it. Yeah, My brother yeah. did his best to edit it out. But hey, uh, giving you the uh, the rundown on the very best year that World of Concrete ever had, the v- number one year, 2019. Actually, was okay. the the largest attendance of the show, 60,000 yeah. people. Wow. 60,511 people. You had 1,500 exhibitors at mm-hmm. that show. I, I remember the years before, I think 2017 was right around 50, like low 50s with about 1,400 exhibitors because yeah. we were one of them. So I remember seeing those numbers. I, uh, I will say what I noticed was missing was a strong uh, Asian presence both exhibitors and attendees, as well as Australian exhibitors and attendees, and, and maybe a little bit of, like, Eastern Europe and stuff. There, 
I, I really feel like those numbers are lacking from the international presence more so than the domestic. But there was definitely a, uh, a lack of, uh, of uh, Asian exhibitors. Well, you remember back when we used to exhibit at that. I mean, there, there half the South Hall was yeah. people from China. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. a lot of abrasion and, and drilling products and things like that. But now they, they weren't there this year. Maybe they'll come back during Con Ag. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the no, the differences in numbers, how many concrete guys are out there for that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, uh, we should touch on the CIM auction as well. Last year was their uh, biggest grossing amount during the CIM auction. Uh, this year they surpassed that. They grossed uh, $1,740,000 for the program. Wow. wow. Yeah. that's Oh, by the way, when uh, the stat I gave you about 2019, having the most exhibitors, the auction raised 1.2. Yeah. So they're at mm-hmm. 1.7 million now for the programs. And in the CIM program, that doesn't all just go to Middle Tennessee State. They actually divvy that up uh, to each of the schools. So yeah. it's really great to hear that pie is growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their largest item was a T880 Alliance Concrete Boom Pump. That went for 540000 Oh, I think, wow. isn't that right around list? I mean, that's pretty it's, good, though. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of a discount. Yeah, they, they said the in the pre—I think it was last year, they got over list for their concrete boom truck because they were so far out yeah. on their waiting list. There was, like, 18-month oh. lead time on it. So a guy from a family-owned company was like, you know, I'll pay over list now and have that thing in operation a year and a half before I could actually buy a new one, so— did you look at any of the stuff that was on the auction this year? I just we just heard about the big stuff, yeah, and go over the 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 list of of everything. Well, um, see, like I'm not, I mean, I'm not gonna buy a mixture truck, but I was uh, looking at the experience packages. I was curious to know what the numbers are gonna be because there weren't as many experiences mm. that you could bid on. Like a few years ago, you could get, you know, four tickets to like you know, almost every NFL football team was represented on the list of, like, get into a suite and watch games because all these corporate corporations had tickets to these games, all these golfing packages, all this stuff. I mean, it was way pared down on the experiences. Uh, So, because I was looking, I was thinking, I was like, how am I going to convince my wife (laughs) to let me play in the John Deere (laughs) (laughs) Pro-Am? Because I always for a good cause. I always wondered. wondered, I was like, how do how do people get to play in these golf tournaments as the amateur alongside the professionals? Mm -hmm. I I never knew. I was like, how do you get to be that guy? And I was like, oh, okay, it makes more sense. You're the corporation. So John Deere had put into the CIM auction. Well, you can be one of the amateurs that plays in the pro am. I was like, perfect. I'm absolutely bidding on this. I was like trying to figure out how much it's going to be. And then my Volvo took a crap, and I had to go put it in the shop. So mm. any any money I was going to put toward that, I ended up paying in car repairs last mm. week. So they are fantastic vehicles, but boy, they are proud of their stuff. Wow, I had no idea that it took it to the shop. I like to take it to because um, it's old. So I mean, every year you might have I have a line item like this many a thousand dollars a year in repairs on this vehicle because it's just it's just old. And I didn't realize that there was like a special tool you had to have to change any parts. Always. And uh, like, <laughs> the guy was like, "Yeah." I don't even have that tool. You got to take it somewhere else, and yep. you just get cleaned out for it. But it's a, like a fifteen hundred dollar tool because like the tip of it looks different than all the tips of everything else. Was, that's crazy. crazy. That's a whole different episode. I could talk about that stuff for hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I know another trigger point, Joe, is of ever Josh heated going to yeah. the different car companies. Yeah, it's by conspiracy. You. It's by design. They they want you to take it back to the dealership so they could rob you. Which, that's not a conspiracy. That's absolutely no, that, 100% true. That's absolutely true. <laughs> and I, I can't get into that one. Or I'll, I would convince everyone on this podcast they'll never buy a Volvo, and I'll never get another one. <laughs> FYI, that trigger took 12 minutes into recording. 
to get here. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably as far as we've made it in a long time. But that one wasn't on purpose. Right. I, I I was this close. Maybe I'll still do it. I was this close to like posting a, a meme on my personal social media about how I was devising ways to trigger Josh during the podcast. But uh, good good news is that I, I didn't actually do that. And, I th- you know, I thought that might actually be, like, next level PSYOP. It's like he's waiting on me to trigger him, and it never comes. And it, you know. <laughs> uh, wrapping up on the World of Concrete deal, the Bricklayer Championship, um, Cole Stamper and his tender Jeff Becker won themselves – well, they, they won the Bricklayer Championship and netted themselves a Ford F-250 and $10,000 in cash and prizes. Congratulations, wow. boys. It's a hell of a prize. It, well, in these days, that's valuable because you can't get those either. You can't get the <laughs> F-250s either. I didn't realize that was a, such a huge prize at uh, at those events. And that's been the same prize basically every year for a while now. It's, really? So they know they know what they're gunning for, about ten grand in cash and an F-250 mm. 4x4. Heck yeah, not a bad, not a bad outing in Vegas. No, not at all. Let, all right, let me ask you guys. So I'm going to be the interviewer real quick for you, Joey. Um, what was your favorite thing that you saw at World of Concrete this year? Uh, favorite thing I saw. Let me see. I think the Pharaoh booth was probably one of the most eye-opening boosts to me. So, and so uh, we're going to have a video coming out on that mm-hmm. where Josh interviewed those guys about their technology. Joey, why don't you just tell people what it was that you saw that you liked? Yeah, and we talked about it in uh, one of our wrap-up episodes, I remember, but it was basically, it, it scanned a concrete slab, and it could tell you the, the the peaks and valleys of that slab, you know, where water would collect and drain, and if there was any kind of irregularity in the surface of that slab, it would scan it, and uh, you could see it. It would be color-coded, you know, the uh, the valleys, so to speak, would be, you know, blue, and the peaks would be red, and where it was uh, level on grade would be green. It was pretty interesting. And uh, Josh and I discussed how that technology is leaps and bounds, what I had to deal with when we were paving. And we had that giant scaffolding with the, bi- with the bicycle wheel and sensor and uh, measuring bumps and stuff in the slab that way. Yeah, so for paving, that's airport taxiways, that's huge. Uh, hospitals, you got to have incredibly level floors. Uh, there's a lot of warehouses um, where the flatness has to be just incredible because of the machines that are moving around inside that warehouse, mm-hmm. like robotics and stuff, have to be incredibly flat. What about you, Josh? What was the craziest thing you saw or your favorite technology or whatever that you saw? I'm going to go with the overall advancements in battery-powered tools. Like, oh, well, okay. I did not see this being your angle is my, battery-powered my, tools. Yeah, my, right. my official – I was impressed when we went to the Bosch Tools booth, and shout-out to Bosch Tools. They were the most – it was organized chaos because there were so many people at the booth. They had multiple things going on, multiple speakers and presenters and, um, you know, demonstration exhibits, and somehow they organized it all fantastically. I mean, it was perfect. And uh, they even had, like, a media check-in center. So, like, we went there, talked to one one lady. She got us hooked up with the right people to talk to, and it was probably the most efficient way you could have done that. But Shout out to Bosch. Yeah, for sure. But I don't work with those kind of tools, like hammer drills and stuff, every single day. I work with tools every single day, but it's in in a garage and, you know, low-torque stuff. I mean, I'm not working on the big, beefy, manly tools all day, every day. But how they can get so much power and torque out of an 18-volt battery 
and get that thing to last for hours and then charge in 40 minutes and then you're using this thing all day it's just like comfortable to use like not only do they have they have it figured out on the performance side of things where they can get more torque out of a battery operated tool than they could a, a corded tool you can use that thing all day it fits in your hand nice i'm I had one of their impact guns, and I'm lugging on, uh, on one of these lag bolts. Just I had it running into this concrete piece until it like completely stripped out and pulled all the concrete out of it. And I felt I did not feel it at all in my arm or anything. Really? Yeah. Like, it, and then used a grinder um, and a reciprocating saw, and like all of their stuff. It's just so comfortable to use. Like you can you can kind of see how guys would spend the extra money for such a quality tool because you can use it all day long and that's what i was really impressed with was just how far those battery operating tools have come interesting you mentioned hammer drill because when i was in high school uh, i remember we were doing something for uh for like the baseball team like i think they were putting up a backstop behind the catcher or something like a rubber backstop that way the ball didn't bounce off like a brick backstop, yeah. backstop. it would sort of deaden a little bit because mm -hmm. it would the pitcher would throw it it hit the it would get past the catcher and it would bounce all the way back to the pitcher I and mean, it was just it was and it was going in every direction so they're putting it, so in order to like install that mat somebody had to take a hammer drill and drill into the bricks and mm -hmm. then you know nail the thing to the or whatever into the wall well my dad was the guy that did that because that's what my dad did he was a construction guy and he was like, you know, come here, son, you know, grab this hammer drill and drill on a thing. And I just remember how heavy it was, how how impossible it was to get into that masonry. And, uh, you know, eventually he just, like, shoved me out of the way. He's like, give me that thing. And I'm like, God, <laughs> I like, had a respect for, like, he had that man, that old man strength. Oh, you know? yeah. That's my, a thing. My dad had that, like, in, in spades. And I just remember how difficult that was. So to think that they would put uh, that kind of power into something that's battery operated just uh that's pretty pretty cool man yeah joey closing remarks before we get out of here i feel like that's a pretty good wrap up um and you know if you guys didn't come out in 23 you definitely come out in 24 but what's your takeaway yeah it was um it was something to see no doubt biggest takeaway was uh i think we talked about it was how the south hall changed uh as uh we kind of mentioned you know there was a lot of asian presence in that south hall with all the you know chemicals and and solvents and whatever else uh, that they uh, that they bring to the show, but it was pretty diverse in that South Hall. It seemed like at least more so than usual, because Sack Creek came to play. You know, they had that giant exhibit, um, and who else was there? You know, you had Quick Creek. Um, you know, all the bag. My pay, my pay was of course there with their uh, their two story deal. Yeah, yeah, they had their gig there. Uh, and uh, there was just like a mixed bag of stuff down at that lower level of the South Hall. You know, you come out, and it's one level, and you walk down the stairs. But, yeah, I remember, you know, we saw the <laughs> we saw DeWalt duct tape there in amongst everybody, and then on the other side of the room was that uh, that high-fence deer hunting operation, and then <laughs> I forget what yeah. all else was there, but like I said, it was just a mixed bag in the South Hall. Yeah, it really was. There was some... 3D printing there, but not as much as I thought there would be. Um, there was a couple set up, and they had like uh, like a live vendor exhibit area where they were doing demos pretty much all day, and there was some 3D printing stuff there. And there was a few companies that unveiled a uh, like a, a specialty 3D printing mix that they were promoting, but uh, there there wasn't as much as I thought there would be there for the 3D printing industry. 
And then as far as chemicals and stuff, we talked about it on a previous show, but I think the consolidation of that market really cut down on the number of exhibits for that particular sub-industry. And then there were a little bit lighter on the outdoor exhibits. I mean, there was a lot of room to walk around, and there wasn't as many, like, power trials and stuff like that. I actually think you can probably attribute every single bit of that to Conag being in two months. Right. It's, it's in two months. Right. Like It's, it's almost well, impossible to even have a booth at, at World of Concrete, pack it all up, especially if you're doing, like, an outdoor exhibit, pack it all up, yeah. put it in storage for a month, and then bring it right back to the show. I mean, it's right. you're, really, you're really asking a lot out of your teams to do that twice. Yeah, for sure. And, well, and to do it twice, I mean, it's never been more expensive to ship stuff around within reason. I mean, you know what I mean? Like to move things back and forth. And if you got to pick and choose a show or even to go out there at all, if you're a smaller company, you really have to make a, a hardened decision on if you want to spend a massive amount of capital to bring your stuff out there. Well, bring your stuff out there and you can't put it up yourself. You got to hire their people who are making. Oh, it's still a union town, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Making ridiculous money. And you can't even hang a TV by yourself. And so you you could spend, you spend more on hanging the TV than buying a TV. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable out there. So, yeah, I don't blame anybody that decided, hey, I'm going to go to Conag because it's one every three years. And for World of Concrete to be coming out of the pandemic, uh, as much as we'd like to think, here on the show that we've been out of the pandemic for a while, but in business terms, it, it's more like the economy is out. And so for these, uh, for the world of concrete to get back to 37,000 people on what's supposed to be their off year after coming out of the pandemic, I, yeah. I think they got a lot to be proud of. Proud of CIM for raising 1.7 million. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. Hey, and I'm proud of you guys for going out there, crushing it. The videos look great. It's absolutely hilarious, uh, the technology that Josh is just so thrilled about. You can see it in your eyes. You're like, oh, let's talk about this. I yeah, can't wait. Cool. You know, and it's really exciting. So you guys, when you see it, you'll see he was interviewing people about things he's excited about, and it comes through really well. So, Right on. Well, yeah, uh, success, I would, definitely, uh, I would definitely call it a success for the World of Concrete and our trip specifically. Came out with a lot of good content that y'all should, should definitely go check out. The, that video media that we shot – That'll be on uh, on YouTube, especially, and LinkedIn. And you can find the links anywhere as well. So definitely go check that out because there's a lot of cool stuff that the that the concrete industry needs to learn about. Yep, sounds great. I appreciate you guys going to do that. And uh, you, everybody look out for us at Connect. That's it. Till next time. See y'all.